You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Grand Rising, everybody. Welcome to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. We got a great, wonderful Wednesday in the works for all of y'all out there today. I'm so excited. Brian Callanan is back in the building right here in the Black Media Matter studios, joining me to tell me all about tonight's episode of Seattle News Views and Brews. And we haven't been able to check in and tap in for quite some time. So I'm so excited that he is here to join me today. But of course, y'all, it's the top of the show. So it's a great time time to tag and share the stream. That's right. Go ahead. Tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. And if you can't watch us, you can always listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. Y'all will find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it, Apple Music. I'm throwing that one in there now. Uh, We're on all the platforms. Just search for us and you will find us there. Shout out to all of you for tagging and sharing and making sure folks know about the podcast and this TV show here. We appreciate all the love out there. Um, I got to give some love today. It is February 8th, which means it is one of my best friends in the whole wide world. It is her birthday. Shout out to Kate Asha. I love you so much, girl. Happy, happy birthday. We are moving forward in life in such a great way. And she is one of my closest partners in so many different things. But I love you to the moon and back. Happy birthday. Um, Of course, you, you, you guys have seen it. I mean, Converge has been out hitting the pavement really for us here you know, when we talk about black media mattering, that means that we have to be out there to really capture stories um, as well as inviting guests to come in here and share their stories. And we are all over the place making sure that we are capturing amazing stories. Here's one that I'm so excited to showcase to you all today. Uh, My guy, Najee over at Fly Above Athletics. Check this out. Hey, what's up? I'm Najee Lad Ali and welcome to Fly Above Athletics. Fly Above Athletics is about empowering and inspiring the community. It's about elevating the mind, body, and spirit. Fitness is important in the black community because we are at a time where we have to be keen and pay attention to generational traumas, generational curses, and how we think generationally in terms of eating. And so now my job and my duty, I feel, and my gift is to empower and inspire people to see how they could change the perception that has been placed on them throughout America. Fitness and living a healthy lifestyle is important to the black community because now we're at a time where we need to be cognizant and aware of generational traumas. We need to learn how to break generational curses, not only through those traumas, but also through eating so we can prevent heart attacks and prevent a lot of the cancers that subside and that hurt us in the long term so we can live healthier, longer lives to teach, continue to teach our our youth and our next generation coming along. Training can be expensive, um, but there are many other ways to receive personal training. For us, for example, at Fly Above Athletics, we have free group workouts partnering with Nurturing Roots. Uh, We have uh, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. sessions for free, Saturdays, 10 a.m. sessions, and I do reach out 
to people within the community because that's where I'm from. And I tell people or, I, you know, I connect with people so they can come to the gym anytime they want to get a free workout in. A lot of my knowledge comes from personal life experiences. Um, after trying to save my grandfather from dying of a heart attack, which he died in my hands, um, I had many other experiences. Uh, my 18 year old sister was shot in a drive by and she's still alive today. My sister was in a severe car accident. My other sister was in a severe car accident. Um, I had one of my boys, close friends, Devon Pickett Jr. get murdered, um, who we played high school basketball together. And so a lot of those life experiences has caused me to go within myself, uh, which through meditation or, you know, through just keep staying in one spot and staying still to conquer my mind and conquer my energy and keep my composure and to find that balance so I can be able to teach people. But before I teach people, I have to grow within myself. So it's an internal thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's kind of hard to explain the energy that I receive um, and that I feel, but it makes me feel good. It makes me feel inspired. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm filled with love. Uh, and it keeps me going, even in my, on my down days. If I come and just give my time to people and just have conversations, like these workouts lead to many conversations. We have conversations about fatherhood. I have, I have men that come. We talk about business. We talk about collaborating. We talk about women. We talk about how to elevate the mind as a woman. Like we talk about many things. And so it makes me feel good. And it makes me feel like I'm having a sense of love. And it, inspire, it, it inspires me even more to keep on going. Here's three tips for people looking to start off with their fitness journey. One, find something you can spiritually connect with. Two, find time for self because this is an, it's an internal process. And also you wanna believe in yourself. Three, do something to get better each day, whether it's a walk, whether it's eating something a little healthier and don't stress yourself out as much. Believe in yourself, treat yourself nice and be patient with yourself and make progress each and every day. So if you wanna connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at flyaboveathletics with two S's or by email flyaboveitsinyou at gmail.com. Wow, thank you so much Najee for those amazing tips and shout out to the Converge team pounding the pavement, capturing all of these amazing stories. You know, one of the things that we find in Black community uh, in particular is that there's so many different things that can cause health issues, right? And um, adverse health conditions. And I'm so glad that Najee was able to give us some great tips uh, and also that there are some open availabilities. You know, one of my main questions uh, was about the affordability of training. And oftentimes it isn't accessible to many who need it most. And so I'm so appreciative of his efforts with Fly Above Athletics to make group workouts open for folks. Uh, it is there. It is available. Check out uh, him on Instagram, <coughs> excuse me, and social media. That he is doing so much great work and putting it out there for people to be able to access. So if you find yourself like me, like I'm still trying to get myself together. Coach Pasqualina was on me with Fine Gang and I know it. I was I was wanting to do that work with her and I just y'all I fell off. Right. So for me, this was really important and personal to capture this story, to be able to share how people can access 
fitness in a way that is accessible to them, makes it not necessarily easy because it is a journey, right? And we have to understand that it is a journey, but it's you like pouring into yourself. So thank you so much, Fly Above Athletics, for what you're doing in community and shout out to the team for being able to capture that amazing story. So great to see all of the good works that are happening in our community and elevate those who are putting themselves forward to be there for others. Well, of course, you know, we get to talk to somebody who is always putting himself out there for others, making sure we are engaged and informed on all of the issues happening at City Hall and other things that we really need to be mindful of throughout the city and beyond. I get to talk to Brian Callanan right after this short break. Y'all stay tuned. You're watching The David Trey. What's up, everybody? You know, me and Besa, my girl, we had to pull up to Market Street Shoes once again, y'all. And you know, we do this every season. We have to get the new shoes, the new boots. And this time, I even got a coat. Yeah, no, you did walk in without a coat. I really I'm did. I'm glad you found one. But their boots were on point. Yes, the boots, the bags. I even grabbed a flannel. Yeah, you did. You know, and I was able to get some hats and everything. I was really impressed. And you know, I was impressed because, of course, I got those white boots that you guys see me wearing everywhere these days. Yeah, no, I, I look at your white boots and I'm like, darn it, they only have one pair. Me and Basin wear the same size. Of course, every time we walk out with several bags in hand. Several bags and sometimes even a backpack, you guys. Make sure you check out Market Street Shoes. Yeah, please check them out. where they go, Basa? Ooh, 2232 Northwest Market Street, Seattle, Washington. Prosperity in Black America. What will this require? Is black business prospering? Are we reaching women and minority-owned businesses? How do we achieve earning parity for wealth for our families? Do our children really have access to education? Will our families have choices for our children? Prison pipelines, mass incarceration, tearing our families apart. A healthcare system not accessible to the masses? the disproportionate termination of Black women from corporate America. When will we actually begin to address what's really at play? How do Black people gain more power to help make these changes? This requires a lot of political will and courage. I'm that provocateur of change. I am Cindy Bright. Welcome to Heartbeat. Pacific Northwest Ballet unveils Giselle, ballet's classic tale of romance, betrayal, and immortal love. The New York Times calls it a triumph, comparable to an epic film. This stunning production is touched by magic. Order tickets now at pnb.org. Welcome back, everybody, to the David Trey. I'm excited because Brian's in the building. What's up, Brian? How are you? I'm really good, Trey. It's been too long. It's good I to know. see you. It's always good to see you. And the thing is, is every time I so appreciate you sending us clips, right? Because I'm like, wow, once again, y'all are hitting some topics that yeah. need to be hit. But it's like every time I'm like, oh, I want to talk to Brian about that. Oh, I cool. want to talk to Brian about that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, tell us a bit about what y'all have coming up this week. Yeah, we have a few different things coming up on the show. It's tonight on Converge at 7 o'clock. We're talking about Seattle News, Views and Brews. I'm with my co-host, David Croman from the Seattle Times. And what we're working on is a few different things. I'll lay down a few of them. Uh, one of them that's really important that the Seattle City Council is looking at this week, and people might slough it off and not think it's a big deal, but they're talking about 
a tree protection ordinance, mm -hmm. which the city's been working on for decades. It's really hard to do something like that. But this is one of these situations where I think we saw it in a lot of different neighborhoods over the past couple of years here, especially when it gets really hot. Some areas of our city have some great tree cover and others really don't. I'm talking about the South End in particular. We definitely saw that with the hot, hot temperatures out there, that heat dome. Remember that? I mean, this is literally a matter of life and death, unfortunately, in some cases. But places that have that tree cover, 10 to 15 degrees less than the places that don't. So this is a serious thing. So the city's trying to work on something, <clears throat> trying to work on something such that they can have a situation that's a little more equitable in terms of how trees are cut down and with another idea about how do we uh, how do we make sure that they're supported how do we make sure that more of them are kept in place of course we are a region that has a lot of density coming to it we definitely need more housing but how do you do that in such a way that's responsible that we protect this really valuable resource out there this is going through the land use committee this week and council member Dan Strauss is looking for some input. So if you're looking for some input on this, this is very important. I know that council member Strauss and land use committee and all the city council wants to hear about it. This is something that a lot of people are interested about. I know they wanna protect trees. They wanna make sure that we're getting enough buildings going into for housing, but it's one of those very interesting situations that turns into an equity discussion real quick. Well, that's the interesting part to me. And I read up on this uh, yeah. last year and it's so intriguing to me that there is a disproportionality built into tree protection. Yeah. And I never would have considered it. But again, you know, we talk about a lot of environmental health effects mm -hmm. based on where you live. Yep. And we understand that there is some intentionality, honestly, around like, oh, well, you know, th th these are ur more urban areas. Sure. We can, we can, you know, right. we can let this slide. We can do certain things and we see it in tree protection. We do too. And I was just thinking, just to dovetail with that, I mean, think about South Park, right? All the flooding they've seen around there yes. over the past several weeks or so. But yeah, this is one of those kind of things where when we talk about climate change, when we talk about the impact of these different climate events that are happening, it is disproportionate and it hurts people of color more. It hurts people in lower income neighborhoods more. And if Seattle wants to be a city that's equitable, they got to work on this. And so this whole basic idea of trying to figure out a way that we cut fewer trees is a really big deal. And I mean... I think this is something that people might want to put in the background, but I think it's something that Seattle is looking at front and center here, especially when they're talking about building as much uh, you know, affordable housing yeah. as they're talking about right now. They need to be careful with that. And they need to make sure that they're preserving this really important resource out there because like I say, I think it is a matter of life and death in some cases. Well, also two people need to understand how it impacts them. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's a, a level here when we're talking about an issue like this that, you know, folks say, well, do I have the time to read up about this? You know, mm -hmm. um, are, you know, folks who are championing this, are they out there really yeah. like making sure communities understand the importance yeah. that, how it's going to affect them personally. I mm -hmm. think that that's how you hit people, yeah. particularly with issues like this that sometimes can play the background more. You know, the way that you get folks engaged is to say, look, what this means is it means either this or that for your particular neighborhood, right? right? And so, the, and the effects of what this or that can bring. You're right. And I, I think you really hit a, a solid point here in terms of talking about the heat waves because we did experience them and now it's, you know, more, it's more aware of mm -hmm. people 
people in, in people's minds of like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, that's right. My neighborhood was hit tremendously by these mm-hmm. heat waves. And yeah, it's because you don't have that tree coverage. What does yeah. it look like in order for the city to be more intentional to ensure that, yeah. you know, uh, all neighborhoods are really receiving the same level of care right. that are happening right now in neighborhoods that actually have the tree coverage and have, uh, you know, different environmental impacts yeah. to them because of that. So there's a lot to consider there. What yeah. else is coming up tonight? We're talking about a lot of stuff going on with Sound Transit. Now, you might know that this project has been going on for a long time. I'm talking about the expansion of light rail. And we looked at this because Sound Transit is actually looking for some feedback this week. What they're saying is you can actually testify. If you want to talk to Sound Transit about their plans, I recommend you do. We're talking about Union Station this afternoon into the evening from 3 to 7. They're opening up public testimony about this. And this is something that really matters. We're going to see hundreds of people down there because you think about what's going on with Sound Transit. You think about the expansion of light rail and how important that is to our community, our growing community here. But David and I took a closer look at what's going on in Chinatown ID, because as you recall, over the past year, ton of protests down there. Hey, if you put it in this part of the neighborhood uh, on Fifth Avenue here, that could really impact a lot of the different, very important cultural uh, activities that are going on, businesses that go on there could impact them for some time. Hey, let's put it out on Fourth Avenue. Okay, that's gonna have some impacts on traffic. And it's even pushed to some directions where like, okay, move it a little bit to the north, move it a little bit to the south. So it's one of these things, Trey, where you have to balance this idea of, okay, we need a viable transit system that people want to use and is convenient for them to use, right? You have to balance that with, okay, how is it going to impact the community when we actually do the building there? What's it going to be like when that station is there? How are we going to make sure that it's safe? How are we going to make sure that these community members actually use this and can get to these areas safely? So it's a really interesting balance here. And I don't think Sound Transit has all the answers for sure, but they do have some different options that they're putting out before people right now. But I hope you see what I'm I'm saying there. It's that idea of, okay, we want something that people are going to be able to want to use. We don't want them to go down, you know, 10 floors of escalators. We want to make sure that it's, it's right there. People are able to jump on it and go. But at the same time, how's that going to impact an area, especially like Chinatown ID, which was split apart by I-5 a few decades ago, right? Little Saigon's over there, rest of Chinatown's down here. So this is an area that's very sensitive to infrastructure projects. Sound Transit is realizing that. They're trying to get as much input as they can right now. And I, I think it's a really important issue from an equity side side of things, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of that going around in terms of like just equity spreading into so many different areas. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I think is important to note here. For those who may not know, I want you to be able to explain a bit about this because there already is transit there. The the light rail already runs underground there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is the difference? I mean, you know, are we saying that, okay, the underground is not accessible? It's not good for folk? Like, I want I want people to understand the difference, because when I think about uh, transit, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the fact of like how excited I am that sound transit is moving into federal way. And trust and believe, Brian, I am so impacted by the build out of that. But I understand that it's a a few years of building out for us to be able to receive now sound transit coming to federal way, expanding into Tacoma like those ideas for me make it, you know, make it easier for me to go, wait a minute. Now, maybe I don't have to, you know, have so much gas going in my sure. car because now I can hop on the light rail. But that's me and my personal experience. Yeah. And even though my new condo is right there sure. by where they're building, that's cool. I'm hearing it all throughout yeah. the day or yeah. whatever. 
I also understand like the long-term impact for me. Mm -hmm. And I think about my sons having that accessibility to be able to, you know, go from the house in federal way to downtown Seattle Mm -hmm. in a matter of 25 minutes, you know, right. That's, you know, that's still desirable, but tell us a bit about the difference because it is there right now, right? There's yeah. a heavy station, a mm-hmm. metro, and yeah. uh, the light rail. What yeah. is the difference? I think they're trying to make sure that these different systems actually have a connection with each other. And that's another part of this discussion, too. You've got trains that are going through there right now. Yeah. You have a lot of buses that are going through there right now. So can we make a system that is intermodal? Can we make those connections? So those people coming from Federal Way, hey, drop off here at Chinatown ID and you can jump on a bus that'll take you there. So I think they're trying to make a system that is interconnected in that way. And so that's a part of the situation too. And when you mention, you know, do we want it on the surface? Do we want it underground? Underground costs a lot more. That makes sense, right? And having it on the surface, that can lead to some different safety issues. So that's another kind of balance here, right? But these interesting things happen when, okay, we're going to put this thing underground. That's going to solve all our problems. Not necessarily, because I think about the station out at the, out at the University of Washington by the state by the stadium there. Yeah. Great spot. I've done it a million times to go to Husky games. But you come up those escalators there. They've worked a number of times when I've been there, but there have been some times where they have not worked. And unfortunately, the track record on that is not great. And again, if we want to make this convenient, do you really want to go down one, two, three, four sets of escalators or an elevator for that matter, and actually take about seven to 10 minutes even just to get to the train. Wow. So it's that it's that off play there. And I guess just with the short-term, long-term type of thing, that's an important part of this too, because long-term, you're right. The benefits I think are going to be great in terms of development and land development that can happen around those areas. Those can be great too. But the big concern, especially in Chinatown is, okay, if we end up building this here and potentially cut off access to this building or this road or this business for a certain amount of time, do you end up killing off that business, right? So how do you deal with that? Is there some way that you can incentivize those businesses to stay or relocate or something along those lines? A lot of different juggling here. And Sound Transit is trying to minimize the impacts wherever it can. I do know that and everybody will tell you that. However, they're trying to maximize the benefit of this system and make sure a lot of people use it and make sure that we can get rid of more cars such that we are not so crowded and congested in downtown Seattle. So it is not an easy job. And anybody says, well, here's the answer. They're wrong. Okay. (laughs) It's it's not that simple. And not everybody's going to be happy. Uh, David brought it up with me uh, with the podcast here. I think some of the protests that we saw last year over this, I think they're going to continue. And I think they're going to continue no matter what option goes in place. But I do want to make sure that people have that in mind, that there are a lot of different factors involved here. And if people do want to sound off about this, they definitely should. Again, three to seven, that's happening today at Union Station. And also, if you go to Sound Transit's website, they're taking public testimony on this. You can do that online through the 17th. So make sure you do that. This is a big, big project. It's going to have a huge impact on our region. Well, they do need to definitely hear from folks. And I I really appreciate you clarifying that this is really to unify all of that because you're right. I mean, you know, they do have the train over here. They got the, uh, the light rail here. They got the buses here. Yeah. So if there is a way to like make it all work without doing too much damage, right, right. that it, you know I could understand the need for that. Uh, th- this is a serious issue here. What what's, yeah. what else is going on tonight? Well, we're talking about a lot of stuff, and this is a headline that's been kind of developing over the past several weeks. But we're talking about the fact that now five of the sitting city council members don't want the job 
anymore, right? When you think about that. So we've heard about the four who have said they're not going to run again for the district seats. And that's Councilmember Herbold, that's Councilmember Peterson, that's Councilmember Juarez, and that's Councilmember Sawant, right? And then we're hearing about Councilmember Mosqueda, who is now saying, hey, guess what? I'm not up for election next year. She's in that citywide position, seat eight. I'm not up for election next year, but I think I'm going to run for county council. She's looking to take Joe McDermott's seat, which is District 8, which gets you into West Seattle, Vashon, some of the southwest areas uh, of King County here. And so she's looking for that job. She's a really strong candidate. I'll say that from the jump. Uh, 2017, she got 60% of the vote. 2021, she got 60% of the vote. She's got the support of people like Mira Harrell. She's got the support of a lot of labor unions. So I'm thinking she is a big time front runner when she goes into this race for the county council. And so I'm looking at that and just the future of the city council and what that means. I mean, we're talking about a situation that could be completely different next year. And if indeed, you know, we're talking about five that are out of the mix, right? Potentially. And then what we're also looking at this fall is all seven of these district seats are open, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of different people making decisions here. You've heard from Andrew Lewis. He says he's going to run again for district seven. You know, he's talking about that downtown area. Tame and morale. She's like, yep, I'm going to do this again in district two. We have not heard from Dan Strauss in district six, which is very, very interesting to me. I'm not sure where that's going to go, but potentially if you think about it with those seven seats, right, they're all open. You've got this eighth seat with Councilmember Mosqueda out of the mix, we uh, wanting to run for county council. If indeed all those races change, I mean, we could have eight new members on a nine-member city council next year. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of turnover. And I think it's just led to a lot of questions about, okay, leadership, this is difficult. How are we going to do this? And also, just the type of job city council is, it's tough. And these these people are going up against things where they get death threats. They get a lot of different uh, threats against them and their family, things spray painted on their houses, things of that nature. So it's turned a lot, a uh, lot more personal, I think, and a lot more uh, just vociferous in terms of the different pushback they're seeing from members of the community here. So it just turns into one of those situations where Seattle's got to look itself in the eye here because these elections this fall are going to be a big deal. And you have five council members right now. Who are at the very least five council members as of the recording of this show that are saying we don't want the job again. Brian, that yeah. is uh, that's a lot. pretty significant. I mean, you know, I know uh, particularly in the black community, I've heard it from so many different, even multiple generations sure. without within black communities uh, throughout Seattle and beyond, actually, yeah. that have talked about how there's no black representation on the, the council. Deal. That's huge, right? Uh, the fact that, you know, uh, folks are looking to do other things, kind of moving on from mm -hmm. uh, city council says a lot too about, you know, you're talking about that personal yeah. toll on them and their families. That is huge. Yep. I think folks who are looking to, you know, put their name in the hat. They got to be ready for oh, that. Yeah. I think they have to really prepare themselves properly to not just represent their district or whatever seat, you know, sure. they, they are going for, but also that they understand a lot of this kind of personal toll that oftentimes isn't told yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not front and center yeah. for folks to understand that, that that's a part of it. And yeah. There's a lot because, you know, a, a bunch of folks throughout the city have their own opinions and their own ideas about how certain things should move. Sure. And you see that people are now, I think they're with the proliferation of social media and access to these council members, mm -hmm. which I, I don't 
I, I think is necessary yeah. because as citizens, we should have that ability to reach out. But it also means that you have a lot of that kind of the threats and things mm -hmm. like this happening where it makes it very difficult for people to feel safe in the role. Right. But also, you know, uh, this is a huge issue because you're absolutely right in terms of it possibly looking very different mm -hmm. already. Yeah. The numbers of yep. folks who are not going to come is going to look different, yep. right? It's yep. going to be different. But in terms of those who are looking to take these seats, it is something that they're really going to have to reconcile with, Brian. They are. They're going to have to look at that and they're going to have to figure out just the, the makeup of of this council over the next year or so here. And I, I think it's really important to look at these elections coming up this fall because Seattle's in the middle of a process right now, which I think I've talked about with you on the program, something called the comprehensive plan, yeah. which I know feels like a snoozer to a <laughs> lot of folks, but basically this is this whole conversation about density. What's it gonna look like? Where are we gonna build? When we talk about, hey, we've invested all that money into affordable housing, well, that's great. Where's it gonna go? That's right. When we talk about certain things at the county level, the county's saying, hey, we need these new services areas for for mental health or whatever where people can just walk in okay cool where are those going to go you know yep. how about this new shelter for homeless people all right where are we going to cite that so this comprehensive plan process is happening right now and it's going to be basically solidified next year in 2024 and then finalized in the early part of 2025 so these roles we're talking about here for the seattle city council are crucial for that. This is very much the future of the city that I have to say is on the line, talking about that in a lot of different ways. But when you talk about how the city is going to grow, which is a key issue to so many different other issues, right? We're talking about that front and center this year on the Seattle City Council. And again, with seven positions up, that's a big challenge. And just to jump back from that for a second, I think from a from a guy who covers these races a lot, it's a lot to take in uh, just from a news kind of perspective. It's like, whoa, we got a lot of races to, to handle here. But I guess I'll say this. I, I would be interested in and I, and I have to think the council is thinking about this, too, of trying to find different ways to stagger these different elections such that it's not all seven up at once. But you want to make sure that you're fair and equitable to all these different uh, districts. So how are you going to do that? So I just think that that amount of turnover and, and I said this on the podcast too. say what you will about incumbents staying on the job too long. I don't think that's a good idea either. But there's also something to be said about uh, said about the stability of a certain yeah. body of government. Right. So there's a bit of a balance there. I know people are always saying throw the bum out or whatever. But I, I think at the end of it. You have to look at the future of the council, how it's going to govern and, and make sure that uh, you got some good people in there and also some stability in there in terms of uh, experience. Because as it stands right now, you've got some first term people. The first term people are the only people that are looking to run again. You don't have that two term person who's been around the block a while. So um, I'm concerned about it. I want to make sure that the council does good things and it gets good people on it. But this is. This is kind of all part of the calculus that's going on right now from a political point of view. Well, it's interesting. I think, too, when we think about the wave of the future, mm. uh, what that looks like a lot of times. And, and I've been saying it, you know, uh, for me, you know, when I think about when I vote, I want somebody who really cares about my well-being, sure. who cares about my family and who is ready to take bold approaches to changing the system mm -hmm. as much as we can to really reflect the needs of the people yeah. and not just the needs of those who, you know, paid for your campaigns and right. those who have the, the influence or those who have access to you, but that you think about who you're actually representing. Yeah. So I also think there's some 
refreshing ideas mm -hmm. that get to come in with new folks. But you're right, too, in terms of the stability. So we'll see how this plays out, Brian. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. Of course, I'm glad you and David are on it. Make sure folks know how to tap in with you tonight on Seattle News Views and Brews. Absolutely. Well, make sure you check out the show. It's happening 7 o'clock tonight right here on Converge Media. If you want to connect with me, at Callanan Seattle is a good way to do that on Twitter, or you can hit up Callanan.Seattle at Gmail. Make sure you do that too. I'm always interested to hear from people and I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in talking to you about this, Trey. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Always, Brian. Thanks so much for being with me. You bet. Thanks. Wow, y'all. So much to wrap up here. Of course, we'll be doing all of that great wrap up right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Welcome back to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a great episode. A wonderful Wednesday uh, and with my guy, Brian Callen. And it's always so great to connect with him. And of course, every time I sit with Brian, I think about all of the different ways that we can all be inspired, not just as Brian and David Croman are sharing these stories and making them accessible to all of you so that you're informed and engaged at what's going on at City Hall. Clearly, he mentioned three amazing topics here that really are impactful for all of us, uh, for those of you who live in the city of Seattle. But because Seattle is also an example uh, that a lot of other cities follow, I think it's important for all of us throughout King County, honestly, to be really mindful of what Seattle is doing. Even uh, Pierce County, Snohomish County, you know, we're connected in ways that, you know, on honestly, a lot of times what Seattle is doing kind of moves others. So be engaged, y'all. Be informed. For those of you who live in Seattle, make sure you do touch base on um, these opportunities to give your feedback about what's going on with transit. Uh, you know, be prepared and be mindful that, you, you know, you're really informing yourself on some of the new candidates who are looking to take these seats at the Seattle City Council level. Uh, there's so much uh, that that Brian and David are always covering. I appreciate him. And of course, I'm always inspired by what they are doing. I want y'all to be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. We will all be the better for it. Of course, I appreciate that folks are doing that. I'm hearing the stories of how you are inspired and how these stories are uplifting you to do something about your neighborhood, your community, you know, different institutions that you're connected with. Be engaged, y'all. Continue to see yourself as a part of the solution. For me, until tomorrow at 11 a.m., y'all. Peace. <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.